Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. You can also chime in via Twitter. Hashtag Giants Chat. We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to your tweets along the way. And a reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. So today is the start of rookie minicamp. They're going to take part in practices today. They're going to take part in practices on Saturday. It will carry through Sunday. Sunday, though, is more of the film session, room work <laughs> type of feel as opposed to on-the-field work. But this is an opportunity, Jeff, for them to bring in some street-free agents, undrafted free agents. They signed 13 of them and the rookie class and get a taste of what they could bring to the table and see whether or not they deserve a spot on the 90-man roster right now. Yeah, and I don't know how much you call it practice because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, you got to understand – Excuse me. Um, they're not giving these guys a playbook. <laughs> Correct. I mean, most of these guys are tryouts, um, which is a great accomplishment because I know if you're somebody that's in a small school and um, just your your goal in life is to try to get to try out for an NFL team, you're doing it here this weekend. So it's, it's a great opportunity for most of these guys that are here. You know, they're not going to make it unfortunately, but you never know. There are some times that these guys stand out and really what this mini camp is all about is trying to find maybe that needle in the haystack, if you will, and invite one of these guys to the regular mini camp and then into training camp. But for the most part, it's just kind of a, a an extension of the um, evaluation process that the scouting guys, they, they go out there and, and look and see what you can find. So um, yeah, and then you really, you, you kind of get them in the building and so it's it's a lot of fun. I, I never I was never at one of these. I was more because after the draft was that um, I didn't really get signed until then. We didn't have these when I was in came out of college, but um, it was the first mini camp. But it's exciting. It's a little intimidating because <laughs> you walk into this building and I think the veterans were here earlier this morning working out and things like that. So when you're in the building and you walk in and you see Eli Manning or you see Alec Ogletree and you see some of these guys, you're like, wow, okay. Um, pinch yourself. Did, am I really in the building? Yeah, I guess I am. I, I'm, I'm going to go out on the field. They're going to give me, I was just watching the guys in the field. You know, you saw all the, their repeat numbers. So I you know there was no there was no number ten on the field today, but there was a seventeen, which is Kyle Iletta's number. But seventeen in the in the rookie minicamp is Matthew Linehan, a QB from Idaho. So don't get caught up in going out and buying your jerseys for any of these numbers. Yeah, here. don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah. So, but it is an opportunity for these guys to do this, and um, and most of these guys will not be around. But it just and and you know what I'm I'm rambling on a little bit, but it's important because. This is also about evaluating and, and getting a short list of guys that may, they may not make it um, into training camp, but if they do really well on this and somebody gets hurt in training camp, then they're kind of they're on Next that list. On the list. And that's what this is all about. Well, and also, Jeff, I'll take it a step further. During the season, they have workouts every week that's where right. they bring in guys to get them caught up, see how they're doing. They yep. could be on that list. Where, oh, they hey, certainly will. Week nine, we want to update our wide receivers, so we'll bring back somebody to see how he is. That's correct. And um, you know, so you you got to go and you got to treat this as as it is, and you got to do the best you can, and and um, and hopefully you can move on. I mean, I I, I don't know, you know, of of a list like this. Off the top of my head, to mention how many guys actually have made it off of something like this, but there are maybe not in the giant organization, but in the league, there's guys that have come into these tryouts, um, maybe from you know Old Dominion or you know Duquesne. I see there's all kinds of Middle Tennessee. We got um, Lehigh, Delaware. There's somebody from Lehigh here, um, <laughs> Patriot League, and uh, look at this Army, Dartmouth. You got uh, Georgia Southern. Ivy so, League. 
Um, a lot of a lot of smaller schools. There's actually two or three guys from Canada here. So the Giants scouting department has done its due diligence across the country, which is a good thing. Um, you know, here's one from Colorado State slash Pueblo. All right. That's a big time school. Yeah, in Pine, Colorado. So, I mean, these guys are, it's a great opportunity for them. And um, and by the way, the draft picks are, are here. So that's, that's, that's a nice one. There's a lot of them. 10 picks, 13 undrafted free agents that have been signed. So 23 that right now you can at least think about accounting within the 90-man roster. But to your point, this is a laundry list that you have in front of you, Jeff. There's plenty of other guys that are not necessarily yeah. guaranteed spots throughout the course of this Giants offseason program. You brought up Canada. Remember, Brett Jones was discovered. That's right. In the CFL. So yeah. they have found And a believe few it or not, my uh, when I was in Seattle, the long snapper for me, it was from his name was JP Darsh from Canada. He he actually was just my snapper for two years. And so there you um, go. he played about four years in the league and then uh, got cut and then went back to school. He was going to be a doctor. I'm sure he's a doctor now because that was kind of a long time ago. <laughs> well, it's always good to be a versatile doctor. He give you some points on snapping the football in addition to maybe <laughs> acknowledging what may be wrong with you. That's from correct. A physical or mental standpoint. Yes. Two zero one more mental than physical. Five one three is the telephone number. So rookie minicamp, as we mentioned, underway. Daniel Jones was already addressing the media. Some of the rookies are still talking. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting about Daniel Jones when he spoke to the media today, Jeff, and this is your first time on the show since the pick, so curious to hear your perspective on what some of these rookies are going to bring to the table and the decisions mm -hmm. the Giants made. But it goes without saying the reaction to the sixth overall pick was across the board yeah. in terms of the reaction. So Daniel Jones was asked about that today. He said, listen, have you seen the headlines in the papers? Have you listened to the radio chatter? Have you seen social media postings and so forth? He says, hey, in this day and age, no matter how focused to. you want, yeah. correct, bingo, you hit it right on the nose. No matter how focused you want to be on football, we're all not naive. We all see the reactions that go around and so forth. So he acknowledged he's been aware of it, but at the end of the day, he can only control what he can control. And that no is question. right now, Jeff... To get on the field, learn the playbook, and be prepared if and when his number is called. Yeah. Short of that, there is nothing else Daniel Jones could do at this point. Nope. you got to have your blinders on. It's hard to have your blinders on in New York. Um, if he was in Kansas City or somewhere at a smaller market, it would be different. a little bit easier. But I think that part of the part of the makeup why he, he was picked at six from this organization is because of that. I believe that to be a quarterback in New York, you have to be a good football player being picked in the sixth pick of the overall draft. But you also have to have the mental makeup of it, and you got to have the mind to be able to handle something like a New York market. And I think coming from Duke, yeah, you didn't get all of that, but his acumen, I think that it's just the way he handled himself. I believe that the organization understands that he will be able to handle questions and be able to do the right thing at, the, at, at a certain time when he is the guy. Right now, he just has to do everything that he's asked of and um, and try to learn and do the best that he can and and just really go in and absorb like a sponge everything that this organization wants him to do because that I'm sure that he's been sat down and said this is going to be your role um, and you got to just go with it and so it's important but it's probably got a little bit old even to this point at what point in time is is it going to stop you know you just hold, you hold, you fast forward on. for a yeah. month and like okay can this please be over with yeah yeah it was the sixth pick yeah, I'm going to back up Eli. What else do you want to know? Okay, time will tell about this pick, and you got to be confident that the Giants went out and did what they had to do. I know it wasn't a very popular pick. I know that. 
But the fact is, is that you have to be excited about the Giants having a quarterback in this draft because last year everybody wanted one and there wasn't. 100%. Everybody was pulling for a quarterback last year. They went with Saquon Barkley and then clearly even leading up to the draft, people again were pulling for a quarterback. The problem was in the eyes of many, they didn't take the quarterback that they wanted, such as a Dwayne Haskins or somebody else. And here's the other thing that I've been hearing, Jeff. Well, maybe the Giants could have waited and taken a quarterback. Forget 17, second round, third round. First of all, Jeff, they took Ryan Nassib. They took Kyle Oletta. They took Davis Webb. How many more years do the Giants need to say to themselves, yeah, we're going to roll the dice on a mid-round pick. Eventually, you need to say to yourself, we've got to use a first-round pick on a quarterback. You have to because you have a 38-year-old quarterback, and you know, you're not going to get five more years out of the guy. I mean, the, I, I would imagine they're hoping, let's just play this year by year for Eli, and in the meantime, we've got a guy that we went out and got. And, you know, I think that you have to understand that not everybody outside of the organization are professional scouts and that you have you're entitled to your opinion everybody is but you know what um you can criticize it all you want but the fact of the matter is it's been done and now you have to accept it and move on okay we we're not going to know how good in fact even in training camp i mean in oh, pre- learn much in preseason oh my god he was 10 for 10 and he threw for 120 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns it's against yeah, okay yeah it's not it's not it's against real football. air yeah. it's against air and I think that, you know, but when I look at this draft, I, I was a little bit shocked. I Listen, I had I had said on the Friday or the Wednesday, I think it was the day before the draft, I, was, I had them picking a quarterback in this draft. Um, I thought it might have been not – I didn't think it was going to be Daniel Jones. I thought it was going to be maybe um, Locke, to be honest with you. But um, the, rest of the, the rest of the draft, the way it went, I, I, I just I, – I thought the Giants did a pretty good job in addressing – Drafting from not drafting from a need perspective, but getting good value at some of the picks. I think Dexter Lawrence is a guy that I think people will fall in love with sooner or later. I know it's not a sexy pick. Um, I know that they they moved Tomlinson inside last year when they got rid of snacks, thinking that that might have been the answer. But obviously something happened during. He had a good year, but maybe they now that Dexter Lawrence is going to move into the inside. Those guys are, and you're going to have B.J. Hill and and then Tomlinson playing outside of him. It's it's a good rotation. Okay, you're gonna get some good value. That guy, that kid's a stud now. I mean, he's a big, athletic. Oh, he's and a he presence, can, and he can pressure the quarterback from that interior position, which is what they liked about him. DeAndre Baker, and I'm just gonna go on through. I'll just go quickly down here. My opinion: DeAndre Baker was the number one rated cornerback from the Giants on the Giants draft pick. They got him. They went up to get him for a reason. Um, I feel that he will be the opening day cornerback on the on the backside of of Janoris Jenkins. Um, you know, you have Sam Beal who will compete, but I think that DeAndre Becker is he played in the SEC. He, he didn't. He I don't think he he gave up maybe one touchdown in two two or three years. Correct. Okay. Um, and he's just a, a good positional starter. And I think that in Betcher's defense, he understands that type of coverage that he needs to play in Betcher's defense. So that's going to be a good thing for them. Um, are you ready for this? <clears throat> Are you ready? I am ready. Oh, Shane Zinemez. Perfecto. Look at that, Jeff. Now. Rolled right off your tongue. Also known as Z-Man. Or no, X-Man. 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 Yeah. yeah, X-Man. So I will now call him X-Man. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pronounced... no. you didn't go there immediately. No, because I pronounced it right the first time, and now I'm done. Okay? That's it. Ended but, on a high note. But there's your edge rusher. From Old Dominion, or, or excuse me, from Old Miss. Okay. No, Old Dominion. You were right. See, Old no, Dominion. Excuse me. So much. I think that 
this is where I was hoping that the Giants would have got that edge rusher at the beginning of the draft. And this is why I, was, I think everybody was shocked because, listen, he was there. He was there. Okay, Allen was there to take. And, and so I think was Ed that, Oliver, too. And so was Ed Oliver. And I think that that was why everybody was like, what? But, you know, it is what it is. And um, Zimenez, he's, you know, he's in the third round. He had 12 sacks in 2018. The guy that's going to be a situational rusher in Betcher's defense, they'll put him in in different situations. Good pick. Um, you know, it's a third rounder. Those are your guys. Those four guys there, those guys have to have some contribution onto your team for the 2019 season, in my, in my opinion. You go to Julian Love. I think they got an, an amazing uh, value for this guy. Okay, I agree. he was he was supposed to be a very high draft pick, but because of his forty time and some of his measurables at the combine, he dropped. Okay, but he is. I think he's gonna he he will compete for that nickel corner with um with Grant Haley that's coming up yep. this season. So look for a lot about him. He'll be a special teams guy too. Um, Ryan Connolly is another guy, the linebacker from Wisconsin in the fifth round. I, I like this pick. I like it because he's a. Uh, He's that prototypical Wisconsin white linebacker. If I mean the guy who plays the position like this, if you look at him and you say, what does this guy look like? Ryan Conley's the man. Okay. He's six foot um, one or whatever, but he's, he runs a four, six. He's got good lateral speed. He's going to be one of those big time special teams contributors for you. So I think that he's a, he was a really good pickup for the giants. Um, Darius Slayton, the wide receiver. What I found out about him was that um, Jarrett Stedham, the Giants kind of liked this guy, the quarterback, and as they were watching film of him, they couldn't take their eyes off of Darius Slayton because he was there constantly, and they went out and got him. So um, he's a 4-3 guy, 40-inch vertical, and he's a big receiver. He's 6'1", 190 pounds, so I like that. Um, and then Corey Ballantyne, of course, the, the cornerback. We just kind of go through the rest of them, but I, I think overall... In my opinion, the Giants did a nice job in the draft. A little bit of a conflicted on the first three picks there, but the fact is, is that they got some depth. They got some good players. And if you look at where these guys all came from, they all came from teams in the SEC, teams that are winning, and they're used to, and they got a lot of captains. A lot of these draft picks were captains on their team, good character guys. So we'll see what happens. But in my opinion, as it is every year, those first three picks, those first three rounds, whatever many guys you get in them, they have to contribute to your team. And then you hope you can go out and find a fourth, fifth, or a sixth rounder in there that, that really blows your socks off and like, wow, we got this guy. Julian Love is one of those. Yeah, Love is versatile enough to your point where they can move him around. He could go inside, he could go outside. Who knows, may toy with him at safety too. I, I mm -hmm. think there's some position flexibility there. We spoke with his Notre Dame DBs coach yesterday, Todd Light, the former NFL player. He even agreed that there's definitely the versatility there to move him okay. around. Well, you know, that, that and, and there was a lot of safeties in this draft, and the Giants didn't get one. So maybe this is something that they're thinking of, that they can move him around. Um, he's a smart kid. And I think that he, you know, he could fit that position very well. Well, and there's volume at that position now because you look at the draft. They brought in three corners. Mm -hmm. They brought in Baker. They brought in Love. They brought in Ballantyne. Sam Beal. You can't forget. Yeah. Really, Beal should be a part He's of the draft pick. He's a part of this class. So yeah. it's four corners. Okay, let's be fair. Yeah, four corners. Good point. And then you have a, a veteran or two that is still in the mix, but. The opening for the job outside opposite Janoris Jenkins that I agree with you. I think Baker is in line to grab. The slot position is open. Grant Haley has a legitimate shot. Played very nicely mm -hmm. down the stretch. But 
Jenkins, Haley, and Tony Lippett, who played only 2% of the snaps last year, those are the only three returning guys that were actually on the field for defensive snaps last year, Well, Jeff. hence four corners. <laughs> yeah, so you it's know? understandable from a need and a value standpoint. Yeah. Nobody should be stunned that they went out and got a number of corners. They need them right and now. And you really need three corners, three starting corners in this league today. So, you know, yeah. you got them. We just mentioned them there. And Sam Beal will compete for that. And so will DeAndre Baker. Those two guys will compete for that, that second spot. And then, you know, you need depth. You, everybody says it, even Dave Gettleman, you can never have enough cornerbacks, as he says, you know. <laughs> you never have enough cornerbacks. But um, yeah, and it's kind of funny the way he taught you. Never you, Is it a corner or quarterback? What are you saying? <laughs> it's a blurry well, line in between It really both is. Positions. It's a bad yeah. accent. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of your point, though, about every team needs three starting corners, you can't emphasize that enough, Jeff, especially with most defenses. You take the linebacker off the field more often than not because you're trying to match up with three wide receivers. But I'll take it a step further. I think you need four. Right. And the Giants should know that better four. than anybody, Jeff. When DRC was on this team, and okay. DRC was an extremely effective corner, but what game will always stick out to me? Two games that will stick out to me, actually. There was a regular season game against the Redskins, if you recall. It was coming off the bye and DRC gets hurt the very next play. Kirk Cousins throws a deep pass to Deshaun Jackson hmm. for a big touchdown. And they went right after the guy. I don't remember who it was that replaced DRC. But they said, all right, DRC's out. We're going to test him. Deshaun Jackson, the very next play. I think there was a commercial timeout. They come back onto the field. Kirk to D-Jax. <laughs> boom, touchdown. That's the one game that stands out to me. The second game is the playoff game against the Packers. DRC got hurt again in that game. Aaron Rodgers, second half, just targeting everybody who had a positive matchup that wasn't DRC. So that's an example. The Giants know that firsthand. You need that fourth guy that's reliable because there's no guarantee that all three are going to stay healthy. And your third and fourth guy for discussionary purposes need to be guys that you drafted, okay, or you signed in free agency, not street free no, agents. No, you have faith in. Absolutely. You got you got to yeah. have you got to have ability and you got to have at the depth at depth of that position, you got to have players there, okay? And they got to be young and they're going to up and coming. They're not legitimate starters at the point, but I mean you got to have good players at those positions. When we look back at that roster a few years ago, there were guys working at UPS playing cornerback <laughs> for the Giants in some of these games. You know, you can't have that. So Look, at they went out and really, when you talk about with Sam Beal, they get four cornerbacks. They're building good quality depth there. You're talking about a first rounder, a third rounder, a fifth rounder. They really should have been a second or third rounder. So some really good depth at the cornerback position and also some versatility. Those guys can play outside. They can play inside. You're talking about Julian Love that might be able to go and play some safety. We'll probably see that happen in training camp and, and into the preseason game. So, you know, it's, uh, it, we'll see what happens with that. And with respect to the defensive front, you know, you brought yeah. up Dexter Lawrence, who I think also has versatility, Jeff, that they can move him inside, outside. He had seven sacks his first year with Clemson. The problem is he wasn't fully healthy towards the latter part of his career. I think you got to take that into consideration, okay. the foot injury, which is maybe why his production did. But if you can move B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Dexter Lawrence around, and I think all of them can play inside and outside, that's 100%. Right? then all that's going to do is that's going to give James Betcher an opportunity to camp. Hey, let's see where they're really the most comfortable. Let's see based on week-to-week matchups who can put the most pressure on the interior versus the outside, and that's a positive. Sure. Certainly yeah. not a negative. I mean, to toy and, and Betcher, if you look at some of the years that he was in Arizona – um, that defense, the, the, when they were playing well and he was doing what he wanted to and he had the personnel, that defensive line, they didn't have their hands in the dirt. 
they were all over the place. They were standing up. There were there was there was linebackers playing the three technique. There was guy all over the place. Yeah, Chandler Jones was moved around. So they got from the Patriots. that I guess is ultimately what he wants to do. And you know Antoine Bethea now coming from them. From that, from that defense, you've got... Um, Marcus Golden from that defense. You've got Marcus you know Golden, who's probably going to be your starter at that position this year, okay? And then, you, I mean, that, that Arizona defense just kind of... You got a little bit of history there. So Well, you have familiarity, to your point, and that's going to accelerate the young guys and the newer guys to hopefully adjust to the defense. And you're right. I think that they've got players at multiple positions that they can move around. And you threw up Marcus Golden... O'Shane Zimenez, as well as Lorenzo Carter. Those three guys, Golden's got a little bit more experience, but Mm -hmm. remember, still recovering from the torn ACL. Between those three, they're hoping that, you know, they can surprise some people and become consistent pass rushers so that even though they don't right now have the household name, they can at least move them around in games and get that sack production up because they only had 30 sacks last season. Nobody's trying to make that picture look rosier than it is. It was at the bottom of the rankings, and when you don't get after the quarterback and you don't have a lot of good secondary players that can be shut down corners, it's very hard, Jeff, to overcome those obstacles. And I I would say if we we can get off the draft and maybe go to the college, but I, I think that, you know, this draft, one thing that I thought we would have seen a little bit more of, and I guess really was the cornerback that we saw a lot at, is the edge rusher. I mean, where where are they? Um, and that was a little bit of a head scratcher for me. Is like, okay, but you know what? Again, it's I'm not running the draft. Um, they have a plan, and we'll see what happens. But those guys that are there now, they're going to need to they need to step up and get some heat. And maybe Coach Betcher and Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer are saying, you know, listen, rather than us create that that pressure from the outside which we need we feel that the guys from the interior can put some pressure on the quarterback and then we can get a little bit of pressure from our outside linebackers and that 3-4 defense with with Lorenzo Carter and Golden and guys like that and I agree with you and I think that's the goal because if Dexter Lawrence who's 6'4 342 he's a presence as you hinted at right off the start if you can get him with that pressure up the gut theoretically you think that that's going to open up opportunities for the guys off the edges because if the pile now is all of a sudden moving forward, it's closing in fast. The quarterback can't run up through the pocket, so therefore he's got nowhere to go. That at least is the whole goal that is playing out, I'm sure, in their minds right now. And I, I know that you're banking on you know a second season of B.J. Hill who had five and a half sacks last year. Now, he did have three in one game, but it's your point still, is well taken. But I think that he is a guy that you could see as, he, as, the, as the season went along – he got better. Now, you're always you're always a little bit <laughs> that sophomore slump. It's real now. It His really teams are is. Gonna adjust to you. And I think that um, you have to kind of take that into consideration. But I think that really, when you talk about where this defense is going to try to get to that pressure, it could be from the inside and some some of these guys blitzing. And maybe that's the, that's their theory. I don't know. But I think that um, one thing that they do have is they have some experience at the safety position. Okay, you've got experience at the cornerback. And you got some two young guys that are going to compete for that other cornerback position that they feel can cover. DeAndre Baker can cover. He was always on the number one guy coming out of the SEC. He did very well. They have a lot of confidence that he can go. He's a first-round draft pick, number 30th pick. You're going to be a starter if you're a first-round pick. And they gave up a number of assets for him, too, no to question. get in that position. So you got to believe that um, they feel confident with their ba- with the top, the backside of the defense being able to cover so that this defense can get after the quarterback. 
201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Let's open up the phone lines. Want to hear from you as we move forward here till the top of the hour. We have Peter in Buffalo. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Peter, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Peter. Yeah, hi, guys. I'm just a um, big-time fan. Wanted to um, make comment about the draft. Sure. I personally, I, I love the draft. I, I'm like everybody else. I thought, you know, I would have loved to have Josh Allen, but I think the Giants really shored up their secondary. I yeah. think they really um, reinforced the center of their defense, their defensive line. And, um, but the one comment that I, or the one thing I wanted to ask you guys about, really, is what is going on with the obvious media bias against the Giants? <laughs> well. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's the bias. What, what I think it is is I think it's individuals that are picking and choosing what they want to quote from a press conference to set forth a narrative. That, that's the best way that I think I would explain it, Peter. Case in point, I had a back and forth with somebody on Twitter yesterday, and not to get off on a tangent, Jeff, and I, I'm going no, like to curious your perspective it. too. No, somebody wrote me that I was wrong when I was on the air. I don't know if it was here or God serious. forbid if you ever call Lance wrong. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. You will feel my wrath. <laughs> yes. That, no, that wasn't me. No, okay, no I, I didn't think it was you, Peter. Yeah, so we don't would worry. hang up on you, Peter. I, I'm bringing up the story to basically lay out the point you're making. So the point was that at Dave Gettleman's press conference, day one after they took Daniel Jones, everybody's running with the narrative that Dave Gettleman claimed that the only reason why they drafted Daniel Jones is he went to the Senior Bowl. Oh, he yeah, I fell in love with them. Series, yeah, okay. And then he knew right there. If you go back, and I tweeted out the transcript, he first claims, I absolutely loved him when watching film, loved everything about him. Then I went to the Senior Bowl, I watched him practice, I watched him go through his three series, and that basically confirmed what already I saw in film. Yet people are taking the quote of just watching him in three series and making the assumption that that was the only basis to draft him. So, Peter, I, I don't think it's necessarily bias. I think it's people picking and choosing not the full truth to run forth with narratives to steal, head, to steal headlines. Good point. That's the way that I look at it. Yep. Well, just kind of to reinforce my point here, like before the draft, all they talked about was Eli Manning's age and how he's too old, can't play anymore. Yet they don't say anything about Roethlisberger, Rivers, Breeze, Brady, who are all the same age or older. And getting new contracts too, by the way. Well, but Peter, nobody, I, I, nobody mentions a word about well, that. Peter, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you why. How, you know, they need to take a quarterback, so they take a quarterback at number six. But yet they reach for the quarterback now, and now you know nothing is ever good enough for the media. Yep. Well, I'll tell you why they don't treat Eli the same way as Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Tom Brady, and most fans are going to say the same thing. If you look at the Patriots, you look at the Steelers, and you look at the Chargers, you've had three teams that have won consistently, more so than the Giants. And unfortunately, we live in a world, and I don't agree with this, that people isolate the quarterback. They isolate the quarterback, and they think the only reason why the Giants have struggled is because of Eli Manning. When if you've watched football, and Jeff knows this because he's watched very closely, the defense special teams is just as responsible for the Giants' shortcomings Mm. as is their offensive shortcomings. Well, they gave up the most points in the division last year, and they also scored the most points in the division. And the the facts show that, but unfortunately nobody wants to take that into consideration. Yeah, Yeah, they, they talk about how Eli Manning can't play anymore, but if you actually watch Eli Manning play, you know, most of his bad games come from, you know, the fact that he was on his butt half the time. Sure. Well, the offensive line. You, know, and, and, you, give him, you give him two to three seconds to throw the ball, he's going to tear defense apart. 
Well, Eli certainly has shown that he can produce. There's no doubt about that. Are we saying that he's better than Ben Roethlisberger, better than Tom Brady, better than Philip Rivers? I'm not going to go that far, and I don't think it necessarily accomplishes anything. But for people to claim that the only reason why the Giants have struggled to make the playoffs over recent history is because of the play of the quarterback, they clearly have not been watching this team very closely. Mm-mm. That's what I'm talking about, Tobias. That's right. Well, well, I, I, once again, you know, to say that it's a bias, I don't know if I'd go that far, Peter, and appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. I think it's more right. of the fact that we live, once again, in a media-driven world where it's important to get the headline out, get the story out, as opposed to tell the whole story. And we live in a world where there's impatience, Jeff. You know, nobody wants to take the time. I could tweet out the entire Dave Gettleman transcript. Okay, even Giants fans are going to claim, I don't have the time to read through the whole thing. Give me the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I can't give you the Cliff Notes version because the Cliff Notes version is not going to tell the whole story. The Cliff Notes version is taking the juicy soundbite that he said, I saw three series of him at the Senior Bowl. But the Cliff Notes version is not going to provide the proper context to claim, well, he said a whole lot before he went into the Senior Bowl dissertation. So I'm not here. Jeff's not here to give you the Cliff Notes version. If you want to take the time to understand the facts. Read it. Yeah, you got to read it. You got to look into it. If you want to just jump on the juicy headline, then you know what? Social media and Twitter plays right into your needs. And that's exactly where we are right now. And the Giants are no different than other teams. I mean, I've seen headlines. You know, I cover the entire league for serious. I've seen also headlines for other teams, whether it be Antonio Brown, the Steelers storylines. That doesn't tell the whole story because people don't have the time to actually read and go through the whole transcript or yeah. go through the whole presser. It's a good call. Good point. And I, and I understand where he's coming from. And once again, appreciate the phone call, Peter. Thanks so much for weighing in. And it's unfortunate that you know Daniel Jones, who has no control over where he was going to go, None. he is now taking the brunt of it, and he has yet to play one snap on the football field right now, Jeff. Yep. And I, like I said, I, I just hope that it just can we just stop with it, you know, and be done. I know, I know this is kind of this is newsworthy because this is the rookie mini camp, and it's the time that the media now gets in front of all these players. And where are they going to go? They're going to go to Daniel Jones. They'll they'll go to they'll go to to the other guys that got drafted at the higher ones, but that's that's what they're doing right now. But really, you make a good point. If you want to know then what's going, you need to read the whole story, not just what these guys are putting out and making their own little quotes up. And it just sounds horrible. Like really, do you think that a general manager is going to take a quarterback with the sixth position by not watching <laughs> film on him and he's going to go at the senior ball and fall in love with him? I mean, how naive can you be? There you go. <laughs> How naive can you be? The naivety of the situation is overwhelming. Even if you don't like a general manager, you don't like an executive, how is a fan, okay? And I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt for the entire fan base here, okay? Which is probably going to be against my <laughs> smart <laughs> ways of thinking. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, okay? How do you as a fan, okay? I don't care if you watched one football game in your entire life. Do you really think, okay, the NFL regular season ended for the Giants at the end of December, first week of January. So they've had all of January, all of February, all of March, all of April, okay? So Jeff, who in their right mind thinks that Dave Gettleman, all he did was he went to the Senior Bowl, he watched the play three series, and that was the only homework that was done. The only thing the scouting team reported to him back was well, how no. impressed they were but that's what they said. over one game. That's the what they wrote. That's what they, they you know, that's what they Come said. Come on, don't be that gullible. Don't be that gullible. 201 939-4513. Dan is in Piscataway. Dan, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, how are you? How are you, Jeff? Thanks for all your great coffin corner punning. I love coffin corner. I love you it. You guys are the best. <laughs> um, 
I got to tell you, I'm with you. You know, watching the draft, I'm like I'm like the only football guy in my house. I was down in the bay. I scared the hell out of my family because I was emoting all over the place. I was like, no, you know, yeah. when when they passed on Allen. But I've come in off the ledge. Oh, good. I watched I watched all the film on this kid. He is an incredibly accurate passer, and he he played under stress. Well, yeah. And one of the things I read was a a really glowing interview. Uh, given by his quarterback coach on another website that's pretty reputable. And his quarterback coach, I, I forget his name. Well, Zach Roper, he, I actually, I, I did that interview. I don't know if you're referring to the interview. I did that yeah. on Sirius XM yeah. Mad Dog Sports I mean, Radio. Could, yeah. could, could, he, could, he possibly, could he possibly have given him a, a better review? I mean, he called him a, he called him a twitchy athlete. I'm, I'm, maybe, I, maybe he did two interviews. Because it might be a separate. I don't know. It's possible. I'm, I'm just saying. I don't know which one you're referring twitch, to. Yeah, a twitchy athlete um, who has the kind of accuracy that you can't teach, and and you know what? You actually do see it on film. You know, and and then the other thing is this guy's got some wheels. You know that 41-yard touchdown run against North Carolina, mm-hmm. where he breaks into the secondary and then he hits a second gear. It was like it was like watching Saquon in slow motion. It was weird. <laughs> but he actually hits a gear and splits the defenders and gets it in the end zone. Well, I think we're going to like this kid. Man, and well, here's the other thing. I'm going to take it off the air because I'm getting all excited. Good. But <laughs> we can win this division this year. I mean, our secondary was awful last year. And we have, we're stacked now. Young players, yes, they're going to make some mistakes. But you know, if if we get it going, just win the division. Make the playoffs, wild card if it has to be, and you know, then it's anybody's, anybody's. The long, Super Bowl. Long, so I want you to get pumped. Forget <laughs> this. We're going to win seven games. We're going to win eight games. We're going to make a little progress. We've made a lot of changes, and I'll take it off the air. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Dan. Appreciate the phone call. There certainly has been a lot of turnover. I mean, I understand his point about the volume, and we just had an entire detailed conversation about the corners. But keep in mind. They have yet to play one NFL game. We're talking there's volume there, but there's unproven volume yeah. there. So I get the optimism. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Mm-hmm. It's just to provide some perspective here. And there's been certainly turnover across the roster, the defense, the offense. There's going to be new guys in new roles, additional players that are going to get some more reps this season as a result of some of the veterans being traded. But, you know, we got to see some of these guys get out of the field in an NFL regular sure. season environment before you, you know, run a- ahead of yourself there and say that they're going to be in much better position than most of the other teams in the division who I think are leaning a little bit more on veterans. And, but, you know, to go to go back to what we were saying earlier is that the guys that you do have here, you believe that they can be good players. Absolutely. You know, in the past, the guys that you had here, you just had them here because you needed to fill out the roster, for God's sakes. I mean, really, when you look at the guys that are here now, you have a good, good confidence that these guys can play. And maybe, yes, it's going to take a little bit, but, you know, it's going to be better than what you've had before. And you've built some good quality depth that those guys can develop. Um, so we'll see. We'll see from that standpoint. And you know what? That goes through the whole roster, by the way. That's your philosophy. And one thing that this team in the past has not been able to do is build good depth with good players. They haven't been able to do it through the draft in years in the in the in the regime prior to this. So now that Dave Gettleman is in his second draft, I think that you're seeing a lot of good good players. Look what they did last year. The That's draft a picks. Example. They came in and they contributed to a team that was only won five games, 
But I think that when you look at the production out of those draft picks, you get excited about that. And if you can just carry that over into this year's draft and then t- uh, next year, those guys start to develop and you all of a sudden you've got yourself a pretty good team. Uh, that's an excellent point, Jeff. And I think if you look at Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez, Lorenzo Carter, B.J. Hill, okay, those are the top four players that the Giants selected last year. I know two of them were third rounders, but it was the first four. But from my point, I, my point has always been your third rounders and second and first, they've got to give you contribution immediately yep. unless they get hurt or something like that. But look at that, what you just said. Now, you look at this year. Dexter Lawrence, DeAndre Baker, O'Shane Zimenez. I'm not going to include Daniel Jones no. because we don't know what right. his playing time is going to be. So let's throw Julian Love in there because Julian Love was a fourth rounder. Lawrence, Baker, Zimenez, and Love. The goal is because all of them are going to have opportunities to get on the field. They're, They're all going to play. Key positions. You get what you can get out of Barkley, Hernandez, Carter, and Hill. That is a huge step in the right direction for a team. How many draft classes should we bring up to prove that there's nobody still currently on the roster, Jeff, or they had very little production? So... Gettleman wants to go in the opposite direction. He wants to now start stacking drafts where the top four players every year are a big key component of your nucleus. Yeah. And when you when you mention those, those names that you just mentioned, I believe there's only two on offense. Okay, the rest of them are all defensive players. Barkley, Hernandez, and yeah, that's it. That's Everybody's it. defense, okay. 100%. Now, when you're going ahead and look at this team going forward, the, the I guess the emphasis is defense. It's because the defense was horrendous last year. You know, and it's funny because coming into the season last year, you thought they were going to be decent. I don't know. It just didn't happen. But offensively now, you look at this offense and what is, what's, you've got a good nucleus of good players that are going to return on this offense that were obviously you're not, you're missing 13. Okay. He's gone. But you know what you do? You go back and you replace, you're not going to replace 13's production on the field. You're just not going to do it with the guys that are here. Yeah, with one guy. However, you did go out and get Golden Tate, who is a good possession guy that will make you some yards after the catch. He's a tough dude. He doesn't, he, you know, he's going to play well. And you got some of those returning guys that played for you last year that you didn't think they were, you know, it was kind of like a tryout, if you will, last year. Well, they re-signed them, okay? So, and then your line situation. You've got, you've got your offensive line that's kind of coming to, it's, it's, it's coming to fruition a little bit. It's, it's being built over the last year. And, I mean, you're certainly excited about the left-hand side. The right-hand side, I think there's more to come, if you will. Well, Zeitler, I mean, though, should help on the right absolutely. side. Absolutely. So that right tackle is still a little bit of a question mark. And, and I think that there, it may be addressed in free agency still. There's still a lot of time left before training camp in the season, folks. And then you went out and you drafted Big George from Kentucky, they call him. Should I, should I attempt? Should <laughs> I attempt? Well, you One were time? so good earlier in the program. <laughs> George Asafo AJ. Close. Ajay. Ajay. Ah. I'll give you credit, though. All right. Ajay. I'm just going to do my little very nice thing. Yeah, the A-D and then Ah. the J. Yeah. Ajay. Ajay. Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, he's a a seventh-round draft pick, but um, very good run stopper. Played right tackle in college. But, you know, he's a seventh-round guy, which is a borderline borderline free agent when you talk about it. Correct. He's going to come in. He's going to compete. He's going to battle for a roster spot, and if he doesn't make the roster practice squad, I think is something within the conversation. But you know, I don't know if the expectations are that he's going to push Chad Wheeler, that he's going no. to claim a starting job. Listen, if he does that, that's, that's great, great news for the Giants. Yeah, you got to take that. Hey, more competition. The but better. I guess my point to when we were talking was that you know the, the draft the last two years has been dominated by the defensive side of the football, and you need to start seeing some. Um, uh, investment on uh, a return on your investment here, and I'm hoping you will this year. You yeah, uh, well, because we talked about drafted defensive lineman, 
You drafted linebackers. You drafted corners. So now you want to see well, them all there's front to together. back. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what have you missed? Yeah, and you had a free agent in Ogletree last year. Okay. Uh, Goodson, you know, he, he was hurt. And if he can stay on the field, that's going to be your starter and middle linebacker with Ogletree. Okay. You went out in free agent and got yourself a defensive edge rusher um, in, in Golden from Arizona. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're improving here. But I think – that the act, the, the idea of Betcher's defense, you got to have a lot of guys on the same page, and I don't think that's what happened. I do think that because Collins has left, you had to go out there and get a veteran safety because you need that from in Betcher's defense. You got to have a safety that kind of understands what's going on, and Antoine Bethea knows it. He's played it. He's been there before, and of course, Jabril Peppers is going to be. I think you guys. I, I think everyone's going to fall in love with Jabril Peppers. I mean, he's kind of that exciting player. He's a young guy, and really, when you start getting into your third, fourth, fifth year in the league, that's when you start figuring things out. And I think he's going to be a heck of a player to watch. And you know, listen, the guy can kick. The guy can return punts. Hey, special team. So I mean, he's the, you know the more you can do, they say. <laughs> your asset goes through the roof. Absolutely. If you're extremely versatile and can contribute to multiple facets. And, you know, the other point about Bethea is Peppers is somebody who's been in the league, but keep in mind, he's only entering the third year of his yeah. career. Yeah. It's not as if he's seen an overwhelming amount of different defenses and offenses that, you know, you want to have somebody there to compliment him. And that's where I think Bethea comes into and play. And he also, he played in a pretty good defense. Cleveland was a pretty good defense Very last opportunistic year. last year. So yeah. um, I think that that'll bring a lot of quality and value at that position. So um, a lot of leadership too. And yeah. he came from an aggressive defense because Greg Williams, who was their defensive coordinator, yeah. who's now with the Jets, you know he loves to blitz, loves to put pressure on the quarterback, and Betcher is going to try to get to that point depending on how the personnel plays out. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. We've got Scott in New Mexico. Scott, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. How are we doing, Scott? Uh, I'm a little conflicted, and maybe you can help me walk myself off the ledge, but I can't agree that the first two picks for the Giants were good ones, and I sort of base it on resumes. And looking at Daniel Jones, I think he's more of a project quarterback than he really is a sixth-round draft choice. And the reason I say that, maybe you can tell me why I'm wrong. I I looked at his record uh, in total at Duke and realizing that the offensive line wasn't really very good and they had the highest drop rate in the country, the wide receivers. But if you, you look at his games, in 36 starts, he had 29 interceptions. And when throwing on the move, he completed passes at 37.5%. On passes over 20 yards, he was completing, his completion percentage was 28%. Now, I know in Cutcliffe's uh, offense, he basically did a lot of one-step yep. uh, and throw the ball. Slants and, and so forth. Does he have the ability to read defenses? I really don't know since he wasn't put in that position that often at Duke. So uh, what I'm worried about, and maybe you can tell me why I'm wrong, uh, Eli Manning has been very lucky in his career not to get seriously injured. If Daniel Jones is a project player, and I'm not rooting against him, I, I just want to make that clear, but I'm just looking at his record overall, and if he is a project player, I'm not confident they have a backup quarterback in either uh, Laletta or Tanny, assuming that they're not going to keep four quarterbacks on the roster. Would it be conceivable that the Giants would actually look to get another backup, or do you think that 
these things will work itself out in training camp. <laughs> because Tanny, from at least I th- suspect, hasn't thrown more than six or seven passes in his whole career. Uh, as an NFL quarterback, and we already know what transpired with Loretta last year. Not that he can't improve, but I am worried about the quarterback position as a sign of weakness, potentially, uh, based on, again, what I'm reading to you now. So am I wrong in my assumption, or do you think there's a better way to look at this? Well, I don't think, I don't think any of us can tell you if you're right or wrong until we actually see. Now, I don't, think, I don't, see, I don't see Daniel Jones as being a project. I see Daniel Jones as being the future of this franchise as a quarterback by okay. by the intangibles and some of the things that the scouting department and upper management figured out that why they liked this guy. Okay. So I think that, you know, in college, is he a smart guy? He went to Duke. Okay. Right. And what I like about what I like about Daniel Jones is he was a walk on and he moved away all, and he's became a starter and became a six round draft, a six, six round, six pick in the first round which tells me a lot about his character and the way that he's going to go about his business. So do I think he can read defenses? Yes, I do. I also believe that he's a, he fits the Pat Shermer offense where you got to be, there is right. some mobility. He has some mobility. Now he's not a, you know, he's not a RG three or a guy like, you know, that that can get out and run, 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 but he does have some mobility, which, and he also has some, he does his accuracy was suspect in college. I really, I, it was okay. However, Look at the Pat Shermer defense. It's a short passing offense. Right. And, you know, so that kind of goes hand in hand with what he did at Duke. So, you know, listen, I don't we can't tell you if it, if you're right or wrong. I think time will tell, in my opinion. Yeah, the deep okay. ball is certainly a facet of his game that needs to improve. I mean, he, even he has admitted that himself. And, yeah. and you're right. You know, Duke did run an offense where, because of the offensive line, get rid of the ball quickly and right. hopefully Duck the and talent. Chuck. Correct. <laughs> and then hopefully the talent gets yak yardage to, you know, put them in a position to pick up a first down. But, you know, your point about understanding defense, or at least your question, I can right. tell you from talking with his quarterback coach, from hearing David Cutcliffe and just watching film, he was asked to make changes at the line of scrimmage a lot of times and move personnel around and make adjustments based on what the defense threw his way because Cutcliffe challenges his quarterbacks. He did it with Payton, he did it with Eli, and just look at the other quarterbacks that he worked with. I'm not saying they've all panned out, but yes, he was tested from an intellect standpoint, even in that system, to constantly make adjustments, read the defense, and react. So I don't think that's an overwhelming concern. I get the point about maybe the deep ball is not where you'd want it to be, and I do think that's an area that he needs to improve. But the other thing is when you throw out some of the numbers that you did, Scott, remember, drop passes impact percentage. So, you know, and I haven't necessarily broken down the numbers that carefully, but when somebody reads me, well, on this deep ball, he only has a conversion rate of 28%. Well, how much of those passes were dropped? Because I've seen film where he's thrown deep and it goes right through the wide receiver's hands. um, when you uh, the Duke receivers had the highest rate of dropping of dropping passes yep. in college football, uh, and it was at ten point seven percent. But when you extrapolate that number out, in other words, mm-hmm. and then you you counter with what uh, he did, his QBR rating was only thirty six best in the country, and that's with all the drops. So it's not just 
you know, the fact that he had receivers that were dropping passes. And again, I'm trying not to be negative. I want. Well, I, I get where you're coming from, yeah, Scott. No, we're, we're not you're not alone. We're not actually. attacking you. Yeah. I mean, all of it is fair questions and fair points. And, and nobody's claiming that he's a finished product. And also, nobody's claiming that statistically he was the most impressive college quarterback because he wasn't. Factually, right. he was not. But I will say this. If we went back over NFL history, is the first quarterback taken always the guy with the best statistical output? So, right. you know, how much can you basically claim that, well, if you don't have the greatest numbers in your class, then the success rate is going to go down the tubes. Yeah, I, right. I don't know if you can necessarily make that claim. Thanks, guys. Right. Uh, I have one other question, if I sure. can. Real quick. Uh, I, I think that what the Giants did at the corner position was the right thing, but where my, uh, where I'm a little hesitant about saying whether the Giants were a finished product back there is Antoine Pathé, and you've discussed it earlier in the show, is 35 years old. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have two, you're going to have a, like uh, Deshaun Jackson and uh, also Amari Cooper running down the field. That may make him the oldest, maybe, I'm not sure, because Mike Adams was 38 years old, and no Carolina didn't re-sign him, but uh, Antoine Pathé at 35, is he still able to cover that, or do you think they'll switch and have Jabril Peppers actually be the free safety instead of playing in the box? And I'll take your answer. Okay. Okay. All right, Scott, Thanks. appreciate the phone call. Listen, they're going to try that, but they can't. the matchups are not going to match up every single time. You know that. So things will be. But I believe that they didn't sign him if they didn't think he could still play. That's for sure. Okay, and so, um, yeah, is he, he's not 28. Okay, he's 35, and there will be some times where we're going to scratch our head and go like, man, I, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Okay, um, but, you know, listen, it's, 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 they had to have somebody back there that knows Betcher's defense, and that they're, it's a very important position. And so, um, but I, from what I've been told and what I've heard is that he's a 35-year-old guy, but he's in ex- extremely good shape, takes good care of his body. We've interviewed him on the show here before. And, he, you know, he does just as much work off the field as he does on the field to keep him where he's at. And I'm telling you, I, I can attest to it. I played till I was 43. If you do that, okay, now obviously I'm not covering, you know, Amari Cooper down the middle of the field. But my point is, is that the if, work you, ethic. if the work ethic and it's, it's maintenance and if you can do it, um, age is just a number. Um, but there are some guys that, that are able to do that at their age where they're they're playing like they're maybe 30 instead of 35. Well, Tom Brady's another good example, well, too. there you go. I and mean, you he's know got what? a tremendous work ethic. And he's I not will covering tell you guys, but... And so. I will tell you this. I, I've, I think that Eli, I think that Eli has something to prove this year, and I think that he's on a vengeance. I really do. I, I, just, I saw him the other day. He looks great. I, I just feel like his attitude is like he wants to prove everybody wrong. And you know what? That's perfect. That's perfect for somebody like Eli Manning, okay, to go out and, and have another year. And, and really, when you think about it, and I don't know this for a fact, this is just my opinion, that when you get to that, that age um, and you are in the last year of your contract and you want to continue to play, there's also some goals that come into your mind. Do you want to still play with that one organization your whole career? I would imagine that Eli is yes. The answer is to the yes. So what do I got to do? I got to prove to them that I can still play. Now, I know that we have a, there's a quarterback that just drafted in the, the, the sixth pick overall, but you know what? He can wait as long as I'm playing at a high level. And, and I, I bet you, I would bet that that conversation that everybody had, that knockdown, drag out conversation that Eli and Dave Gettleman had at the end of the year, that's probably what this was all about. Hey, listen, you're in your final year. Go out and ball out. Show us that you can still continue to play and at a high level and let's win some football games and you can just keep playing. We're going to draft a guy, but we'll wait. We'll he'll wait. He's, we got time. And Daniel Jones, if he sits this entire season. Who cares? 
it's not going to stunt his development the last no, time I checked. It's There's not been plenty stunt. of guys that have sat their first years. It will help him. It will because listen, you are training, if you will, in, in an apprenticeship behind one of a, a borderline Hall of Fame player who has never missed a game intentionally ever, other than the one last. You, this is the guy that you want to be around. Eli Manning knows how to prepare. Eli Manning knows what to do. This is what you and you know what? If Eli Manning doesn't want to give Daniel Jones the time of day, who cares? Just be a sponge and watch what just he watch, does. Sit back and watch. Take, you should have nine of these booklets at the end of the year. I mean, just yeah. pack with information to go through and do it. Um, I'll give you a, a quick quick example. When Matt Dodge was here and I had retired and I was asked to work with him for the year, I, I worked with the Giants. Um, I told Matt Dodge, every day you come into the meeting and, tra and special t and, uh, training camp, you better have your notebook. And you better start taking notes of stuff that I'm telling you. Because I'm giving you 22 years of, of, of information that I would never normally do this. The Giants are paying me to, <laughs> to mentor you. Yeah. And there was one day he came in without it. And, I, and that's when I was like, where's your, where's your notebook? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just forgot. I'm like, and then and Coach Quinn was like, go get it now. So he went back there. You've got to absorb what a veteran guy is giving you. Take it in. And that's what Daniel Jones is going to do. No, I think that's a great parallel in it's, terms it's, of totally. what he's going to now experience on a daily basis. Because oh, and also in the games. Of he's course. got the headsets on. Listening. He's going to be hearing everything. Well, and Jeff, it's not even just the execution. It's just, okay, how does the OC and the quarterback communicate? How does the quarterback's coach and the quarterback? Because not to say that he hasn't had the luxury to work with David Cutcliffe, who I'm sure is very similar to how an NFL team is run, but... It's a little bit different sometimes totally, with different yeah. coaches. Yeah. Yep. So that, I think, is going to help as well. All right. Let's head back to the phone lines. Antonio is in Manhattan. Hey, Antonio. Antonio, what do you got? Antonio going once. Antonio going twice. Antonio hey, is a man. Sorry, guys. Yes. Sorry, guys. I was muted. <laughs> I apologize. What do you got? Um, so two things that I want to just talk about. First thing is the defense. You know, I'm looking forward to see what James Betch is going to do now that he has his second year of – you know, personnel. Personnel, I there you go. Pass. I, yeah. I gave him the pass because, you know, the speed just wasn't there for the Giants last year. But now there's no excuse for him, and he can play man coverage all he wants. He has a whole bunch of corners. I would love to, and, and on top of that, we have versatility, which we haven't had in this roster in God knows how long. Mm -hmm. Literally, we can have X-Men go and play third downs only. Um, hopefully, you know, um, Carter will be able to play three downs, but if he can't, I would love to see him, especially on third down, and excel there. Because I think that he's, you know, he might not be a big body, so he might get ran over on run plays. But um, at least in pass plays, he can either rush the ball or play coverage. So it's a lot on James Betcher, and I just want to see how he does. And there's a lot of corners now. It's a lot jam. What do you think is going to happen with all these corners, guys, in your opinion? Well, listen, I you can't like I, I don't I agree with Dave. Young. You can't have enough cornerbacks in this league. You've seen the last yeah. three or three years what's happened at that position. Okay, and if you can establish some really good depth, then let them beat each other up. Let them, I mean, just go there and play and play and play, but you know that if this guy gets hurt, then you got the guy behind him is just, maybe he's not just as good, but he has, he's a good replacement. I think, in my opinion, you're going to have Sam Beal and you're going to have DeAndre Baker out there competing for that that other side, that backside cornerback position aside, who's going to be the starter, and then you're going to have good quality depth from there. You're going to have good quality competition at the slot corner position. Okay, and that's going to be Grant Haley, and you're going to be your guy, um, Julian Love. Those two guys will compete. And then you got Ballantyne, who did, the Giants just drafted. He's another kind of guy. So, yeah, you got the great depth, and that's what you need. And they're all good players. They're not guys off the practice squad somewhere. 
And they don't have an overwhelming amount of safeties right now on the roster compared to corners. So if they look at Love as a guy that could play both, sure. you know, when you usually keep about nine to ten defensive backs, and we keep we haven't we also have not mentioned Michael Thomas, who's in the mix too. Well, He's Michael coming Thomas back extremely, this year, yeah, so. extremely valuable. And then also Sean Chandler, who showed some flashes you guys last regarding, season. Um, uh, if Love plays safety, do you think that hurts like his growth? Whether it's switching from like safety to then slot, like is that? Is, or you think like, do you think they should just like, hey, listen, you're gonna play safety for the New York Giants for the rest of your career, or you know, you, or you think that that's, hey, listen, doesn't matter, it's all good. He could he could just move around whatever pieces he can. Well, it depends on how quickly he picks up things. I, I think most defensive backs will tell you. The nickel corner position is the most difficult position in the secondary to pick up for a young player, mm -hmm. even for a veteran. So, I mean, if you could start him out early, learning the ins and outs of that position, I think that's only going to help him later on. And Notre Dame moved him around. I mean, we heard from Todd Light yesterday, his DB's coach. Mm -hmm. So I, I think if they threw a lot on his plate, then the Giants would feel more than comfortable in exposing him to those yeah. different scenarios. I, I mean, if, if it becomes overwhelming, then yeah, I think you then all of a sudden pull back and say, hey, Julian, Let's focus right now on one position, and as yeah. the season progresses, we'll open up the doors a little bit more. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. All right. One last thing, guys, that I'm going to mention is, you know what? I think that the Giants' social media group is doing a terrible job in this whole Daniel Jones situation because if you just check the Giants app right now, everything is pretty much about Daniel Jones. I get it. He was the first pick we had of the draft, but this year we were lucky enough to have two also first-round draft picks um, and Carter, I mean, and yeah, and Baker and then Dexter Lawrence. I think that we should just focus more on those two guys uh, when it comes to social media because Daniel Jones is not even going to hit the field. If he hits the field, it's going to be in a bad situation. And I just feel like... Just well, let him, listen, just let him. Antonio, you can never fully control the court of public opinion. And we'll let you go on that mm -hmm. note and appreciate the phone call. You could put out all the content in the world. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. Dexter Lawrence, I believe, just did a chat today. And DeAndre Baker, remember, these guys are at the facility for the first time today. There's only so much access that these players have given the Giants because they've been scattered all around the country. They've been doing conference calls. Now that they're in the building, I guarantee you, yeah, you're going to see a lot about. more content sure. evenly balanced across the rookie class as opposed to just Daniel Jones. I mean, he was here and he was the first first-round pick. It comes with the territory. He's a quarterback that usually all of the attention, the interview requests go in that direction. But Dexter Lawrence and DeAndre Baker are now here, and they're going to have, obviously, more access to the team and vice versa. Yep. Let's head back to the phone lines. We've got Merrill in Manchester. Merrill, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hi, Merrill. Well, th thank you for the show, guys. Uh, number one, and the most important thing, Jeff, you just briefly just on it. Okay. Duke is not a community college. It's one of the top colleges in the country. Mm -hmm. You've got to be smart. What does a quarterback have to do? He has to look in the playbook. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, there you go. Yes. That's what, you know, that's a great reason for taking him. He's going to learn the playbook, understand it, and working with the coaches be a very good quarterback. No question. Yep. And the learning curve will be a lot less. Um, and it's going to be, he's going to be able to apply what he's learning quicker because he's going to be in there sooner or later. And I think that the giants understand that that acumen he has, it will, will roll over to him being able to play at this level, which then they believe that they wanted to take him with the six pick overall in this draft. Thank you for the call. You're welcome. Right, thank you. In, yeah, thank you for the, the call, call today. Yeah. Well, any quarterback, no matter what school they come from, you don't learn the playbook. 
You're not going to last very long in this league. First of all, yeah. And you know what? That was the thing with Haskins. I mean, you know, he was a, he's a sharp dude. He was a very, very smart guy. They put him up on the whiteboard, and he killed it. Um, part of his regimen every single day about learning to play quarterback was an hour a day of studying and doing the whiteboard with his coach every day in situational football. Um, so that's going to help him in his maturation as being an NFL quarterback. I mean, he'll, he'll be playing before Daniel Jones will. Um, but who knows? But I think that there were some other intangibles there that the Giants didn't happen to like. And um, you cannot fault the Giants in the way that they went after the guy they wanted. So, and you know what? You can, it's all hearsay about, oh, if he would have been there at 17, you know, he knew about this or that. The bottom line is who cares? And, and really, you have to have some conviction. Ernie, of course, he said it many, many times that if you want your guy, you got to go get him. And that's what they did. They liked, they liked Daniel Jones, and they went and got him. And now, you know what? There's nothing you can do about it and other than sit back and wait for Eli Manning to just, to just kind of evaporate. But you know what? For all the Eli Manning haters, I think he's going to be back this year with a vengeance. I think he has something to prove, which I know from being around professional athletes all my life, that when somebody tells you you can't do it, that that means trouble for the person that said it. Because if you're a guy like Eli Manning who's been so successful, he doesn't want to go out a loser. He wants to go out on his own terms. He wants to go out with a bang. And I think that he'll give that to you this year. Now, at some point in time, your ability is cut off by your age and things like that because it just happens. Um, but I really believe that, that he's out to, to have a, a banner of a year. Well, and Daniel Jones, I think, has all the motivation in the world, too. Granted, he's a rookie, but when you hear the chatter, I'm sure he's itching to get out on the field to quiet the skeptics as well. So I think it goes for both players. Well, he has to prepare himself that he's one play away from being in there, and the start of the, of the Daniel Jones era will begin. Yep. Okay, now, this team, it, it's, it's kind of deja vu. Look what happened when, when, uh, when Eli was here and you had Kurt Warner. Okay, it started. And, you know, it's going to happen sooner or later, but it's you don't know when. So we'll see. Yeah, and Eli Manning, regardless of the motivation mm. that he has this season, he's only under contract through 2019. So there's uncertainty beyond this year. It's not to say that Eli doesn't have a chance to be on the roster in 2020, no. but if you're Daniel Jones, you know, the clock has started to tick already. If you don't <laughs> get on the field this year, at least as it stands right now, there's a very good chance 2020 you're, you're going to be on the field uh, because the quarterback in front of you doesn't have a contract beyond this year. Unless there's something that's like dun 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 we know that there's no contract for Eli Manning in 2020 as we speak. So yep. you're, you're the guy next year as far as going forward. But, you know, things can change. So you got to get ready. And I think that the, the, the team, the organization, believes that this guy can get ready that quick because of, his, of, of his, where, all the intangibles and everything, where he's come from, his attitude, his character, you name it. Just want to get to one or two quick tweets before we wrap up. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. First one comes from Ben Gruen at Gruen Ben. One thing you should notice about Gettleman, and this relates to what we were talking about, Jeff, is that he likes having the veteran at the same position of a budding player. Signed Jonathan Stewart to teach Saquon even before he was drafted, but Thay is here to teach Peppers. And I think that's a fair point. I mean, but Thay's here because he also produced, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's not mistake in that. But, it, Jeff, but it doesn't hurt. Jeff, you pointed that out too. 
No, it doesn't hurt that he has experience, but, you know, the caller was hesitant earlier in the program. Go look at what Bethay has done statistically. Guy had 121 tackles last season. Mm-hmm. So you could point to me that he's 35. You show me a 28-year-old that consistently gets on. And that was my point. Tackles. He plays like yeah. he's 30. So, and, that, and that's, that's the, they take that into consideration. That's the icing on the cake is the fact that he is a veteran at a position where you have a few other young guys. I'll tell you a real quick, quick example of that, and it's, it's a little bit of it. Nate Solder, Hernandez. That's another okay. good one. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're side by side. This guy's going to play next to him. He's a rookie. This guy's a veteran. That's that's one. That's another thing. Well, and Zeitler, whether it's Wheeler or somebody else, you Correct. know that too. Yeah. Even John Jalapio at center next yeah, to Zeitler yeah. is at least going to help Absolutely. out. Because Jalapio's not necessarily a guy that has a great deal of starting experience. He's been in the league. One other one from Mike in Oakland at Mike underscore Har. Can you talk value of the Dexter Lawrence pick with and with Andre Dillard still available? Well, you know, Lawrence, remember, it goes back to his versatility. They envision him as somebody that could play the inside and the outside. On top of that, he's coming from one of arguably the best defenses in college football last season. They won the national championship. They but were those a great front defense. four were just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, all of those kids got drafted. Yeah, Farrell. I mean, that guy's gonna. They're just yeah, amazing. Christian Wilkins went to Miami. He was a top twenty pick. Farrell was a top twenty pick. So you look at Farrell. You look at Wilkins. I mean, Lawrence is right there in line. And I get it. People are gonna look at the sacks. But remember, he played with a foot injury that was lingering at the tail end of his career. I I think that's something that you at least can't just brush aside and overlook. And once again, it was a need. They need help on this defensive front. Mm -hmm. Okay, This is a team that, whether it's the edge rushers or the interior, only had 30 sacks last season. You need all the help you can get across the line. And I don't think you can necessarily argue that that's not a good value pick when you look at his pedigree coming out of college, his production, and what he's going to bring to the Giants, regardless of whether you think Dillard's an attractive option, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but if they think, hey, we could get more initially out of Lawrence. You can't. And because I'll tell you one thing right how now. How's that a bad thing? He is, he is the prototypical three-technique defensive lineman run stopper. He's a lot like Snacks. He's not snacks because he's young. And you don't take him off the field as much on third down. And But I believe okay. that I do believe that Dexter Lawrence can be a three-down player because of his presence and being able to get after the quarterback, okay? So the, you put that in there and you put the production out of B.J. Hill out of last year, things like that. That's why they drafted this young man. Absolutely. And with that being said, that is going to wrap up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Greatly appreciate everybody for tuning in. We're back up and running. Absolutely. Enjoy your weekend. Back up and running on Monday at noon Eastern with new programs next week as we'll continue to recap rookie minicamp as well as look ahead to the start of OTAs. For Jeff Fiegels. And regular minicamp too, And regular minicamp too. A whole nine yards coming your way. Jeff, always a pleasure going on. All right, Lance, you too. Everybody have a good weekend. Thank you. You got it. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and always stay locked to Giants.com. We'll speak to you on Monday. Have a good one.